Hello, and welcome to the Monthly Comic Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mann. In this episode, we'll be talking about some of the comics we got this month. We'll start with DC, we'll go over to Marvel, and then we'll cover the other publishers. As always, we'll keep major spoilers to a minimum, but we'll cover general plot points and storylines of the comics we discuss. In this monthly comic spotlight, I am joined by James, and we're going to discuss some of the comics we got in January 2023. James, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you doing, John? I am doing well. It was uh, it was a lot of, it wasn't a lot of reading. It felt like a lot of reading. It was actually one of the smaller months I've had. It was only about 53 comics. You know what? I'm right there with you because I didn't partake in some of the events that were going on, and I only received 50 comics. Okay. When you say events, what are you referring to as an event? They're like mini events. I didn't do the Lazarus Planet thing. Okay. And I didn't do the uh, X-Men Age of, what is it called? I, I, Sinister, is Sinister, Sinister is kicking off. It barely started this month. Okay, yeah. So I, right. I dipped out of that, but I picked up the last, like the, the ending, so I could see what happens in the event. I ordered those. Okay, that makes sense. That makes you know sense. how they give you like a setting the table type issue? Yeah, they, they have gotten to where they bookend a lot of these things for these arcs, because I mean, there's some stuff out there that, I mean, to me, an event, it's been a little while since I think we've had something that truly qualifies, because it just takes over the whole publishing line, basically. Yeah, yeah. even like Dark Crisis, that was not a big event like in the traditional sense. Exactly, exactly. A lot of titles, it didn't even phase. Yeah, it seems like they're going more towards family events or family extravaganza, so whatever, whatever you call that, a crossover. Yeah, it's, it, it needs a good name, and I've been struggling for years to come up with one because, I mean, it's like the Dark Web stuff. It's more than a Spider-Man arc because it's pulling in a few of the uh, the X-Men and such. Exactly. But it's not phasing most of the rest of the Marvel lineup, so definitely not an event in the way like Civil War or something like that was. Yeah, exactly. Like if you pick up a Fantastic Four book, you're going to have no clue about what's going on with Ben Riley. <laughs> yeah, well. And the whole chasm thing, the, the, the catastrophe that it is. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I've read Dark Web, most of it, not all of it. We'll get to that on the Marvel stuff, and I still don't know what they're thinking. I, I'm like, why did they approve this? <laughs> there, there's a fair amount of that going on, and we got a couple of questions this time that we'll get to at the end. And, and one of them was uh, along the lines of, why do you get what you get? And that's a great question, actually. And yeah. one that for me has been that the answer to that has been changing over the last few years and not in a direction that really benefits the bottom line of these publishers. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. So I've become, I don't know, jaded or cynical with some of the stuff that's been being produced and just, and I get frustrated with it. So I just, I, I made vicious deep cuts and who knows, I'll come back. I know I will, but I, I don't want to go in as deep as I was in the past. I know what you mean. Selective is a less loaded term, but jaded and uh, and whatnot is probably more accurate for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling that. Well, should we dive into DC? Yeah, let's do that. I'm going to filter my list right now. I got 17 comics from DC, and there were a couple that I really enjoyed. There were one or two that it's like, why am I still getting this? <laughs> and a lot of them that were just, they were just okay. Well, I, I don't have much to talk about. I received 11 comics. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, but I the ones I got, I either liked or they were okay. There's nothing on this list that I was like, I hate this, or I don't like this, I want to cut it. So it was more like mediocre stuff or good. So you stopped getting Wonder Woman? Uh, yep, gone. And you stopped getting Detective? Yep, it's gone. Okay. I, I, and, and I don't really miss it, because like the Ram V Detective, I felt like I was it was just an exercise in futility. Like... It was a waste of my time, almost. Yeah, those are the ones that Detective, I'm, I'm really considering dropping, and I've gotten it for like literally half the run, and it's at 1,000-something, 1,068 this month. Wonder Woman, if it was not so close to 800, uh, would be in the same boat, but I'm kind of at least holding out to, to have it that far, and then after that, we'll see what happens. Yeah, when I dropped Wonder Woman was they had the, the going to Valhalla and the yeah. whole Norse god thing. And shortly after that, I'm like, this is off the rails, and it wasn't good reading, and I just said, I'm out. <laughs> she started floating through space, and yeah, weirdness, yeah. weirdness ensued. <laughs> and there were one or two good issues in some of that, but then there were a few other arcs that they've had recently that just aren't working for me. Yeah, but that gives you a time frame when I, when I bowed out. Yeah, yeah. 
Now, you got, you said the Lazarus Planet Alpha, but not the others this month? Correct. I got the Alpha. What did you think of that? Okay. My first comment I said, I, I put on here, and it's true. The art was fantastic. In it. it was terrific art. The story with the King Bull guy was, was an okay story. I enjoyed that. But the story seems to be temporary, and it let me know what's going to start happening, but it didn't seem to have any big ramifications from this little alpha preview I got. I would agree with that. I thought it was an okay read. Not great. I mean, it was kind of nice to see some of the magic users back. Yeah. And while the art was wasn't bad, the color palette, was it just me? Was the color palette just kind of flat and dark? It was dark. It was kind of flat and dark. Uh, I, the line work was really good, but I, I know what you mean about the color palette. That that kind of turned me off. I can understand that because it was definitely a different palette. <laughs> now, did you get any of the others? I did not. I, I, I'm picking up the, the last thing. Did they come out with an Omega, I think? They are doing an Omega at the end of it. I'm not sure when that's coming out, though. Yeah, I believe I ordered that. It okay. just hasn't arrived yet because I guess it's still ongoing. And that's like, I get the intro to the story, I get the outro, <laughs> if that's a thing. Yeah, it is. So that makes yeah. sense. And, and then I'll hopefully know where in the heck we are. Well, I did get Assault on Krypton, and it had a couple of different stories. It had one with Dreamer that didn't totally sync up with the Alpha issue. We had a Superman Jr. one that has this Ash character that I didn't really care for. And I, honestly, I just didn't really care for the, the story in general. Okay change to Mercy, who's one of the supporting casts for Lex Luthor, that I thought was a unimaginative, uninspired change for the character. It reminded me of a couple other characters we've had in the past. And then they made a significant change to Power Girl that just really puzzled me. Oh. As to, I don't know what they're thinking here, and it played out somewhere. Yeah. And it's like, of all the characters to go that way, I don't think that was the one. And I think they need to do something with Power Girl, but that wasn't it. Okay, now I'm curious what the heck they did with her. <laughs> well, and Power Girl has always had a kind of a, a confused history ever since Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. And I think it's even more confused now in so much as with part of the Dark Crisis, they gave us back not just the multiverse we had, but a, a, a an infinite multiverse in theory. And it's like, okay, that's great. One of the ramifications of Crisis on Infinite Earths back in the 80s was they took the Earth 2 characters, the original World War II Golden Age characters, and said, well, since we no longer have that Earth, we're going to cram them into the World War II of the main Earth. Okay. And that's why we've got the JSA and Power Girl and all that on the main world. Fine and good. But now that we've kind of got this infinite multiverse back, it seems a little odd to still have those characters still slammed into the same world. And for some of them, like Flash and whatnot, it, it works. But Power Girl, who's an alternate version of Supergirl, and we have them both at the same time, they needed to do something to differentiate them. Ah, uh, so you essentially have two of the same character. Not anymore. And, ah. and again, the direction they went flies in the face of the personality of, of Power Girl for decades. Interesting. And it's okay. like, I, yeah, I, if they can make it play, more power to them. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with you there. I, I, I like the differentiating of characters, and I don't like when they have spinoff after spinoff of spinoff, almost like carbon copy, cut and paste the same characters. Yep. Like, we have too many Spider-Mans, or we have, you know, you got Miles, you got Peter, you got Ben, but what they did with Ben to make him different is just horrendous. And then, but you, they do that with a lot of characters, and I don't know why... Editors let them get away with it, personally. <laughs> well, sometimes I think it's editorially inspired. Yeah, it's weird. It's one thing when you've got, like, multiple Robins over the years. Yeah. You know, but when you've got, again, using Ben Riley as a, a great example, it's not just he's another Spider-Man. He's literally another Peter Parker Spider-Man from the same world, same background, same everything. That's too much of a, a too close of a carbon copy. And then you've got to do something really extreme to differentiate them. Exactly. Uh, and at that point, you're like me thinking, if you really want to keep the character unique, you almost have to kill the other one or do what they did, which is even worse, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got the Legends Reborn for Lazarus Planet. Again, another anthology. Okay. Anthology again. I uh, got a question story. Okay. And the question's kind of interesting. And the Rene Montoya version is kind of interesting. I'm just not sure how much time the Gotham City police commissioner has for side gig as a vigilante. But hey, she makes it work, so more power to her. Yeah, that works. 
There was a Raven story, but it felt much more like the HBO version of the character than the comics version. Okay. And that just doesn't sit well with me, and it wasn't that great of a story. There was a story for City Boy, and I'm like, wow, that's just not a great name. City Boy? The character kind of reminds me a little of Jax Hawksmoor, where he's got powers of, like, tapping into the city, and it's history or memory, something crazy like that, and he's like, eh, I don't know. City Boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, ugh. That's bad. That's cringy. <laughs> yes. The name, if they'd had a better name, maybe. Maybe not still. <laughs> and then there was a Firestorm story, and this is pulling in some of the backstory from Doomsday Clock with okay. some of the reveal on, on Professor Stein and stuff like that. And they do a bit to kind of get him to where he's not really suitable to be in the Firestorm Matrix anymore. So they introduce a new character into that. Ah, okay. And I'm like, maybe we'll get a Firestorm series out of this. That'd be cool. How, how is the anthology thing working for you? Not overly well. That's that's what I figured. I, when I saw that they were just in anthologies, I figured not any one story would have enough room to breathe. Okay, I've, I've gone through two of the three anthology ones, and has there been one of them where I'm thinking, wow, I really love this story? No, I, I, I sound... <laughs> <laughs> you sound uninspired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we get to Once We Were Gods... I didn't care for the Aquaman story. I had no idea what the Martian Manhunter one was really setting up. It was just kind of a sad story. Wonder Woman's story seemed to be setting up on a zombie apocalypse or something uplifting. Oh, great. <laughs> and then we get a, a Mary Marvel one that, given it came out the week after the final issue of New Champion of Shazam that set Mary up as, like, the Shazam, okay, takes her out of that position. <laughs> One week later, you have lost your title. <laughs> they don't officially take the title away, but it's uh, for all intents and purposes, yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> and, and the new Champions of Shazam, it wasn't a bad read, but it really got me thinking that Mary was using that whole transformation lightning of shouting Shazam offensively a lot. Ah. Uh. She used it once in one of the Lazarus Planet ones, twice in the final issue there, and it's like, that's that's not power an offensive weapon normally. If you're going to do it once in a while, like how it was done in Kingdom Come or something like that, great. Okay. You know, it's it, it fit that moment, whatever. But to just use it all the time? Yeah. Like every issue, she's popping it out. <laughs> well, it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do something that renders me just a normal mortal until I can, you know, shout the word again. And I'm not going to shout it immediately afterwards because, well, that would just be redundant, I guess. <laughs> so That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't sound too good. So overall, those are, they're kind of lackluster. Yeah, they were okay, but nothing great. That makes sense. I'll tell you one comic that I really did like from DC that I did get. I liked World's Finest number 11. Mm. Did you like it? Yeah, I love seeing the original Titans back in their day. It was yeah. an okay-ish ending to the Thunderboy arc, but ending with a not-the-end kind of a thing. I don't know if it's referring to other stuff or if we're going to get more of that character and ramifications of that with stuff Mark Wade's doing these days, either here or elsewhere. Yeah. I still wonder why Superman has that room in the Fortress of Solitude the, to depower. I think there are... Well, one, I think it's a reference to the Superman 2 movie. Yep, exactly. I'm like, I would have destroyed that thing. I don't want anything that can take away my powers. <laughs> and I think he has it there both as a safety measure if he or another Kryptonian gets out of whack. And it just seems a little odd. I'll, I'll grant you that. Yeah. Yeah, so it, but I did enjoy it, but like like you said, there was that to be continued thing. But it was a fun read overall. I thought. Did you read Action Comics ten fifty one? No, that went to the anthology route with all the characters, like the side characters. So I did not pick it up. So that that was my end of an Action Comics. So tell me how'd you like it? Well, first off, the cover alone I think is interesting because we've got I don't know eight characters on there with the Superman emblem in one way, shape, or form. Yeah, that was bizarre. <laughs> I love the the cover. I love the art. I just wonder, do you really want to remind us how many we've got right now? <laughs> Overall, I really enjoyed the issue. I'm not going to say it was an A+, but it was it was an, at least an A-. minus. So it was good. I enjoyed the lead story. Okay. It was a little weird seeing Kellex being used as a video game console, since he's kind of the one who you know keeps the, the Fortress of Solitude in order and such. They're setting up the Steelworks Tower as being a new place of innovation in, in Metropolis and stuff. And of course, it's got to be taller than LexCorp because, well, you know, why not? <laughs> there were a couple of other stories in there. The Home Again one that was set in the past during a point in which I'm not sure that it still happened 
the way it happened again, given some of the hand-waving on continuity that happened. But it's basically, remember the Superman and Lois series they did around the time of, of Convergence or whatever? Yeah. Where it was young John and stuff? Uh, yes. Set in that time period. Oh, okay. All right, cool. There were a lot of references to the Death of Superman 30th Anniversary special, not to be confused with the Death of Superman 30th Anniversary Deluxe Edition trade paperback. Interesting. And I had skipped the special, not realizing it had a new story or two in it. And so I want to read that at some point. And then through my Ultra subscription, I got the trade paperback. thinking, oh, I'll read it there. And it's not in there. So there's there. Yeah, it happens. But again, Young John likes seeing that. This was the one, actually, it wasn't Nightwing, it was this, that had the Power Girl feature using the new twists she got over in uh, in Lazarus Planet and such. And they're also playing Power Girl as not being used to, to various idioms and figures of speech and such. And I'm like, she's never had a problem with that before, ever. So they they made it up. Yeah. Mm, that's That's not good. Yeah. There was a guest star or two in that story that was nice, one of which, again, goes back to a perennial pet peeve I've had over the last year or so with lack of continuity in DC. And then there were one or two things where I think they took a a metaphor a little too literally in one or two cases, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. But it goes back to, I, I don't know what direction they think they're going with Power Girl and such. And as, as fun as the story was, she was the wrong character to have in that role. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Now, now, you aren't getting any of the Batman One Bad Day nope. villain books, right? Skip those. I did get one more this time. It, Which one? Uh, Bane. Okay. And uh, the re- I don't know why. I, it's probably because he was a big, jacked-up, steroided dude in the past, and I like those big guys. But it was Joshua Williamson who did the, the writing on it. Mm-hmm. Howard Porter was the artist, so the art was you know good. And I would say this book was good. It wasn't great. Like The last one I read, the Penguin one, was really terrific. But this one was more along the good lines, like a B. The story plays out like a Bane redemption story, and you get almost like Batman and Bane teaming up to wipe out people who are still dealing in Venom and all that. We've been down that road. Yeah, so it, it felt like a rehash a little bit. And so you got Bane getting emotional at the end. It, it, it was kind of weird. I, I didn't enjoy it that much. It, it was like B-minus type material. It's like, it's, it's written well, but not really what I wanted to read. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, so so when they when they build these, they're like, these are the ultimate villain stories for each one of these villains. And I'm like, eh, I think I could have written a better Bane story myself. Yeah. I'm not a good writer either. <laughs> but it was just like, it wasn't that impressive, but the art in it was good. Well, speaking of maybe not that impressive and stuff, are you still reading Flash? I am. Are you referring to the one-minute war? The one-minute war that never seems to end. It's a very long minute. Yeah, we got the One Minute War special, plus the two issues with the One Minute War. I mean, it started off okay for me. It was weird. The special, I think, came out after the the first issue. After the two issues? Yeah, it was so bizarre. <laughs> like, why are we getting the special now? <laughs> I mean, I, I got the first issue, and I'm figuring this is a, a, a gimmick story or whatever. And it is. Yeah. And it's either a major turning point for one of the characters, or they really overplayed their hand, and they're going to have to undo some stuff. Yeah, I agree. So it started off and I was like, oh, this is fun. This is different because The Flash has just been boring to me to read. And so this one, I was like, you know, they were doing all those weird, quirky things. Let's flip the pages on it. Yeah, let's, yeah. Like he had nothing to write about. And so finally, I was like, oh, this could be a cool story. And then it, it just kind of petered out. And then we got a special after the first two issues. I'm like, and it just kind of, this is weird. I don't like it. Well, it's funny because the first part of Flash 790 sets up the thing. Yep. Flash 91, it's basically nine speedsters against an alien invasion. I'm thinking, the aliens don't stand a chance. Yeah. And then we get the special, and it's like, okay, we get Avery, who was not one of the nine speedsters, so we got a tenth in the mix. Yep. We get Godspeed coming in, and I'm like, okay, that that is an interesting twist. And then we get another story that's taking place in the future with a future version of one of the characters, another character, and I'm like, how does this fit into the one-minute war? Because it's not that minute. Yeah. And it's like, it's not that it's badly written, but the concept and the plot, uh, not so great. That's exactly what it is. It's like, you know, the execution and writing the story is not bad. I just feel like, man, that's a story I really could have skipped. Why are we going down this path? What is this exercise? So I'm hoping they have some kind of grand scheme in the next couple issues coming out, but 
I, I have a feeling they don't because it's that Jeremy Adams who I just don't care for him as a writer right now. I can understand that. Now, they're going to have enough of this that it's going to fill out its own trade paperback. Yeah, exactly. You'll, you'll get six issues of it or something. So six issues that literally take place in a single minute <laughs> out of a 12-issue year. That's insane. That's how slow some stories are moving these days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yeah, it, it, it is what it is. At the same time, I didn't hate it. It's just like, it's okay. Yeah, it's about where I'm at. It's not bad. It's not great. I think this concept in the hands of like a Mark Wade or something would have been brilliant. I think it could have been written really well. Like there's there's something here that, yeah. that could could have been elevated. What, now, there are two that I did enjoy. I'll tell you what they are and you can tell me which one you want to talk about. I like Justice Society of America number two and I liked Nightwing number 100, which was a big issue. Those are both the ones I had kind of as the next ones we should talk about. Let's Let's go with Nightwing. Nightwing. Okay, we got a big issue. Yeah. And it was a, a full story, that entire issue. I liked how they brought past Nightwing artists in on the issue. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> they have different styles. It was a little jarring in places. What did you think of the chunk of story where it was essentially a string of pinup shots of Nightwing kind of swinging through the city or whatever? It was kind of cool. I, I, I could see how some people wouldn't like it, but I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting. From an art perspective, I liked it. From a story perspective, it drove me nuts. I know what you mean. It's like, I, I liked it for what it was, the art, but yeah, it kind of slowed down the story and it's like, ugh. But it, it, I, I enjoyed it overall. Yeah. I think it was just good that we got momentum with the Heartless thing is a huge story versus like getting four or five stories packed into a, an issue. Yeah. And, you know, I thought it was kind of cool they released the prison inmates from Bloodhaven, and, but they end up kind of flipping the script with them, you know? They don't go down a path that I thought they would have gone down, which was cool. What was interesting is this is a prison that we haven't seen in the entire run, I think, of Nightwing, when, you know, or at least Tom Taylor's run of it. Correct. Because prior to this issue, it, it literally didn't exist. And it was the first thing everybody would see when they'd go to Bloodhaven. A prison. Yeah, that's what you want to see. <laughs> and I'm like, is there only the one road into town? Uh, that's depressing. <laughs> And then the use of it at the end, it's like, I saw this coming. Me too. I saw the, I was like, I know what that is. <laughs> I'm curious where the changes at the end of this issue are going to take this title moving forward. If it's something that's going to go for an arc until they can get another title up and going to take over that storyline, or or if this is just how the title is going to be for the foreseeable future. And there are pros and cons to each. Yeah, I think if that writer, Tom Taylor, if he is able to take over with what happened, that status quo change at the end, that could be very interesting. Yes. And, and I, I'm down for that. Same here. If he's doing it in a Nightwing title and another title. Exactly. I think that would be terrific where he could have some interplay. The only trick would be how to get Bruno Redondo to do the art on both titles simultaneously. Yeah, you got to have him. He's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah but I, I thought it was a fun issue. It was solid. It was. It was good. I'm enjoying this. Again, there's still some issues with the pacing or whatnot, but... I really do think they're trying to position Nightwing as not just a, a big player in the DC universe, but as a key focal player across it and such. And there have been some times in the past they've gone that route really well. Yeah. And again, the cover of this, it's got just all the characters he's essentially got in his Rolodex he could call on if he needed to. Exactly. Very cool. So, fun stuff. Yeah, it was really fun. And then on the flip side, you get the Justice Society of America, and I think the JSA fans will get excited. You know, like Legion fans get excited. I think JSA fans are going to be excited about this run because I think it's going in a good direction. Yeah. And I would say, honestly, because I haven't read much of the JSA, I'm not a fan per se, but I really enjoyed it. And Helena, you know, meets up with our JLA in here versus the one we had in the first issue. And I think it's going to be just a lot of fun. Yeah, I loved seeing the classic JSA in the 1940s. We get the the mention of a couple of just Easter eggs here. You know, Diamond Jack, a member of, of Justice Society Dark. Ooh, this is Justice Society Dark. How cool. Yeah. You know, the bad guy at the end, it's like, yeah, I totally saw that coming. But he's arguably one of my favorite JSA villains. Oh, okay, cool, cool. He's got a, a shtick that he goes down every time. It always ends up basically the same way. But he's persistent and keeps trying, so I'll give him that. There were a few other things, you know, a mention of Bride of Grundy or whatever. It's like, okay, that there's a story to be told there. Yeah. Mentioned that Zero Hour was, you know, eight years ago, and I'm like, okay, I'm 
curious how they're seeing the timeline and such. And there were places where it was a little bit of a cryptic issue, but it was fun. Jeff Johns absolutely these days is, is the guy to write the JSA. I agree. There was a time Roy Thomas was the guy, but that was a few decades back, and I'd still love to see him do it again. And man, Michael Jannon on art cannot go wrong with that. It's a great creative team on this. I agree. It was it was fantastic. Now, one thing I w- did want to mention, okay, Sergeant Rock at the Army of the Dead, number five, I, I think there's one more issue. It was just kind of like in that okay category. Mm-hmm. But one that I didn't enjoy as much by Jeff Johns was the Stargirl and the Lost Children, issue three. It, it went more into that. It was okay, but it was a little underwhelming compared to the first two issues for me. I can see that. We're in the middle of the story, which yeah. isn't going to necessarily be a, a hot spot for it. I thought it was a fun read. I thought it was a good introduction to the kind of the new retro sidekicks. I kind of like the explanation of, of Judy Garrick's code name. It's a little unclear. Is it Boom or is it Boomer? Either way, kind of fun. Oh, yeah. And again, Todd Nock is a really inspired choice as the artist for this. I agree. He was the one who was probably at DC best known for the original run of Young Justice. Yeah. Now that we're seeing that this is going to be a miniseries, it's ending after three more issues. Mm-hmm. Do you think these new characters are going to be incorporated into the DCU? Yes. Okay, cool. So there'll be maybe a book on them, or do you think they'll be sidekicks with other characters? Like, they'll kind of spread out. Well, they're all sidekicks of established Golden Age characters. Yeah, th- do you think they'll team up with other like characters in the books that they'll have going, or do you think they'll have their own book? I think the point is to reinsert them into the past. Oh, okay. Use right. that as an excuse to kind of ripple forward some changes. Okay. We may get one or two as, you know, elder statements types in the present day, and we may have children, grandchildren of them show up. I don't know. Ah, I, very I cool. totally off base on this, too. All right. We may get some also some retro stories with them in the past. Yeah, I could see that. Like something like a look back at character XYZ team-ups and things that happened in the past. Mm-hmm. It'd be kind of cool. I, I still think this could have been a Nightwing and the Titans story. Yeah, it really could have. <laughs> well, and think how funny it would have been when we're getting the intro to all the sidekicks and stuff, because they're all kids, 12 to 14-ish, give or take. And Nightwing's a man now. <laughs> well, yeah, even if you had him a little younger or whatever, you know, you've got college-age types, and here are all these these young kids, and you'd have the, the, the Titans, we were never that young, and they yes, we were. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We, we were that young. <laughs> so much they could have done with that. Yeah. But still, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's a fun Me too. Yeah. And that was pretty much the summation of my DC reading. Yeah, pretty much. The only other stuff I got really was Fables, Batman Scooby-Doo Mysteries, and really, yeah, I think we talked about the rest of it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, we've cut back a lot, and it's January, so the companies have cut back, so it is what it is. Well, it's funny, because Lazarus Planet... Flash and the Jeff Johns stuff seem to be, you know, about half what I read from DC. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, just kind of weird. Move over to Marvel. Yeah, I filtered my list. I'm ready. I got 25 comics from Marvel. One or two that didn't really work for me, and none that were just, wow, these were amazing. Most were just, yeah, they were okay. Yeah, I received 28. I have three that did not work for me at all. A bunch of okay and a few good ones. Okay, which which three did not work? Let's go ahead and get those out of the way. Spider-Man number four. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> that Spider-Verse nonsense. I'm like, I, I thought they were going to kill it, and that's why I got excited. It just seems to keep going, and I, I can't stand it. That, that's one I've got on my list that I should drop. Yeah, it's, it's bad. Now, the other ones I, I'll kind of lump together. There's a Hulk number 11. Ryan Otley, the artist, has taken over the writing. And so... This is the first thing I think he's ever written, mm. and I don't, I don't think he should be writing the Hulk, the story, flat out. The, the only way I can say it, it, it sucks. I'm not enjoying it. It's just, I'm almost thinking about canceling the Hulk, and I'm a big Hulk fan. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not that's good. my character, and it, it makes me feel like I don't want to read it. And then everything else that I did not like, you could kind of lump it together, is like those amazing Spider-Mans and that went around the dark web stuff, and the dark web X-Men, like... But that was the end of it. It was that dark web corner. You know, for me, the dark web stuff, because we got a a few things as part of that. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man 17, the whole thing was just a little insane. But I did like the rec rap character at the end. Yeah, that was okay. It was at least humorous. Don't know if he'll stick around. And with 18, it's like, I didn't like Chasm before and this whole King Chasm stuff. No, no, come on. It's just gotten ridiculous. I'm like, what are we doing? (laughs) The dark web 
X-Men stuff, for me, that's the highlight of the Dark Web stuff. Yeah. The showdown. It's not that great. (laughs) I I actually enjoyed that one more than some of the others. I'm not going to say it was great. It was still B, but it was at least a B, not a B minus kind of thing. Okay. The showdown between Jean Grey and Madeline Pryor was was interesting. That was the best part. Yeah, that was, I would agree with you. That's the best of the bunch from the Dark Web. And then we got the, the Mary Jane Black Cat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I really have no idea where they're going with this miniseries. We're getting a little more about MJ's powers. Yeah. I'm still expecting to learn how she got them, when she got them, and what the hell's going on with that. Yeah, I don't know what's going on, and I, I, I'm, I don't know if we're going to see what's happening. I, it just seems like everything's weird right now. Yeah. I'm curious how much of it is going to maintain still being in the dark web kind of setting and stuff, even the dark web's yeah. kind of wrapping up. I just, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. There was one thing I wanted to talk with you about, and it wasn't something that I hated or loved. It was more in that mediocre range, but X-Men number 18, mm-hmm. that was weird. We got, are we, do we have two Lauras now? Yes. And why? <laughs> well, uh, I, I kind of like seeing the two Wolverines teaming up. Yeah, it was cool, but I'm like, well, why do we have to? <laughs> Remember the story they did, I don't know, a year or so back with Sync, Darwin, yes. and Laura going into wherever it was? Into the vault. Into the vault, yeah. I remember that. And she didn't come out? Yes. They thought she was dead. So they resurrected they her. They resurrected her. And then she brought came out, and now we have two Lauras. Yep. And that's so bizarre. That's like just as bad as having two Peters. Not necessarily, because they may actually make this work. I love Laura, so I like her. I, I One could be Laura, one could be X-23. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I, it's just kind of weird. Well, given how much Laura aged in the whole time, she's now old woman Laura. Yeah, that's true. It allows her to go do stuff with, with Sink, so it furthers his arc and stuff. So I thought that was, that was actually a, a half-decent issue. I'm not going to say it was great, because it wasn't. It was more on the high end of the like medium range, like, like a B- minus or yeah, a C+. Yeah, that's exactly I, where I put it, is a B-. minus. Yeah, it was decent. It was just like, man, I don't know what what they're going to do with this. We got two Loras. <laughs> this is weird. Well, what worried me more was it was looking like the Exterminators group might still be a thing in the X-Books after its miniseries is mercifully ended. And I'm like, yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, I agree with you there. <laughs> that's unfortunate. And I think, based on the ending, that they may be setting up another non-mutant to be eligible for the Resurrection Protocol. Yeah, I agree. Because I think there's enough of the Quiet Council that would vote for or have enough sway with others to just get it done regardless. Yeah, Marvel's just done away with death. They're like, we're going to bring back everyone, and here's how we're doing it. We built a way to do it, and now just be quiet. You know what's going to (laughs) happen. Here it is. Now, did you read The Sins of Sinister? No. Okay, I didn't get that because I was at that point in my uh, reading where I was like kind of frustrated, and I was like, this is going off in a direction where I don't know if I want to even check this out. But I got like the last issue of that where they're going to tie it all up. But what, what did you think of it? You got to tell me how it's going. First off, it was five ninety nine. It's six bucks. Okay, that's expensive. But it was a lot to read in a good way. Oh, good. I thought it was a fun read. It was very heavy on Sinister, as should be expected. Okay. Not sure the whole arc's going to live up to what I got here, but I thought the premise was interesting. Again, a lot happened here. It was entertaining, it was engaging, and I'm not the biggest Sinister fan. Wow. But they've been building up that we're going to do stuff with Sinister, and there's a couple of different avenues to go down. And some of this stuff harkens back to things that was in Powers of X, House of X. Oh my gosh. So it's good enough where I should probably be messaging Eric and being like, can I get a copy of this? That's hard to say. I'm not saying it's as good as House of X, Powers of X. I'm saying some of the plot seeds go that far back. Wow. All right. So you ought to at least consider checking it out, but I'm not saying necessarily go whole hog. Okay. Just check out the main issue and maybe the last one like I'm doing right now. At the very least, check out the Sins of Sinister number one, see if it works for you. Okay. I'm going to do that. I'm giving myself a note. I'm putting up, pulling up Slack and start typing a message to Eric as we're recording. Have you been (laughs) liking Immortal X-Men? I I do. I like Immortal X-Men. It's one of the better X-Books. Because that's Kieran Gillen, as was Sins of Sinister. Ah, all right. And and it very much seems to be kind of flowing out of there into Sins of Sinister. All right. I'm kind of thinking Immortal X-Men is one of the better X-Books these days. Yeah, I agree. I like the main X-Men. I liked X-Men Red if it's still going to be coming out after this thing. And I liked the Immortal X-Men. This issue of Immortal X-Men, massive use of captions for voiceover narration. Mm -hmm. But it made for a very interesting end note for the, the issue to end on that worked. 
Yeah, it was building up for the Sons of Sinister thing. Yeah. So I'll, I'll forgive that. Again, we've talked about X-Men 18 with the, the Wolverines and stuff. I thought that was, it was fun. X-Men Red, decent issue, but nothing amazing. Nothing amazing, but I really like that battle between Storm and Vulcan. Yeah. Because you basically have the two Omega mute level mutants. Well, two of the, because there are a few of Two of us. Yeah, the two of the, of the, yeah. And the strategy and how it plays out. Yeah. You know, one being a little more wise and one maybe not having that wisdom there. And I'm like, it was awesome. I liked how that play, battle played out. One having the power, the other having the tactics. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I don't think there are any future issues of that on order, though. I think they paused everything for this big event. And so that's why I'm like, I don't know if X-Men Red will be spinning out of it, coming out of it, or if they're just going to redo all the X-Men. I don't know what's going to happen on the other end. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because everything got paused for this, the Sins of Sinister. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get Avengers War Across Time? I did, and I loved it. That was probably my top read from Marvel. I thought it was a lot of fun. It takes place after Avengers 11. Yep. And that's the original Avengers 11. 19, probably 63 or something. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, starting this issue with like an inside front cover previously and Avengers 11 kind of recap might have been nice. Wasn't essential. Getting yeah. it kind of sort of in a short paragraph at the end was sort of pointless. I'm not quite sure where this goes next, but man, it had an old school Marvel vibe to it in all of the right ways. It really did. Okay. When I read old comics, sometimes it's grating on me because it's written so different from modern comics. Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to read. And... This was retro, yet it felt modern. The art was really retro by Alan Davis, and it worked well. Paul Levitz killed it, the writing in this. Yeah. And I thought it was just so fun. It, it, retro, but not dated. That's the way to, to sum it up. Yeah, yeah. Thor, Cap, Giant Man, Iron Man, Wasp teaming up against a Hulk <laughs> and Kang. I love this stuff. I'm like, this is awesome. Well, Paul Levitz is a great writer, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. He did some great stuff in the 70s with some of the JSA stuff. Terrific run for quite some time over with the Legion. And I think that strength as a writer and on the creative side helped him both on the editorial and just on the management side at DC. And why DC was maybe not selling, you know, top of the charts necessarily, but still writing some and selling some really good stuff under his tenure and how we've gotten such a radically different DC sense. Yeah, he impressed me because I didn't read much of him because I didn't read DC. You, you, you know that, not yeah. until Rebirth. We'll fix that. Yeah, we're, we're going to fix it. But I read that and I was like, man, Paul Levitz can write. He's good. Yeah. And he has a passion for the past, the old characters. And I'm like, but if he can make it fresh and not dated and write this these old stories, one and dones type thing, mm -hmm. man, that that is just something that I could read and just enjoy. Almost like, oh, what is that? The Metro book. Oh, Astro City. Astro City. It, it, it almost feels like that. You can jump in at any point, I would feel like, if, because the issue doesn't feel like it's going to spill into the next one that much, a little bit. Even if it does, it gave you enough to be satisfied with the issue you got. Exactly. And so I was like, you could read this and be done with it, but you can read it two or three times and enjoy it every time, I felt like. Yeah. Yeah. Again, he's a great writer. And it, th that all being said, it, it's not something that I would say A+, plus, but I would say solid A. I can see that. I can see that. For me, I was expecting it to be a little bit more, give me the thread of what the overall arc's going to be for the miniseries. Yeah. And I felt that was a little lacking, but I enjoyed what we got. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you something. Okay, the Hulk, I told you, was horrible. Ryan Otley, <laughs> the writer. Sorry, Ryan Otley. Do your art. But did you get the Joe Fix-It special, or not the miniseries, which is uh, Peter David? I did not. Oh, Okay. This is like, okay, going back to Omnibus Volume 2 with, with the book club when we were doing the Omnibus, which was insanity. It's Peter David doing his five-issue miniseries, revisiting when he wrote The Hulk, when he was gray. And it was just a lot of fun because you go back to Vegas, you mm -hmm. get this, the smart gray mafioso guy. The kingpin rolls into town in this issue. And the kingpin, you know, trying to push on the Magia turf with the mafia, they call them the Magia. But... <laughs> He thinks he's going to bully Mr. Fix-It. So that's the setup for this issue. I'm like, got it. This is just a lot of fun. <laughs> I could see where that'd be a fun read, yeah. So I giggle when, I, when I'm talking about it because it, it harkens back to an era of comics. I love the Peter David run. I'm reading Peter David writing the Hulk. I hope Peter David's health, how he comes through good because I love reading his comics. He'll be missed one day when he can't write anymore. Have we gotten an update on his health recently? I haven't seen anything or see, seen anything posted, so I don't know. 
because I, I hope he's recovering well and stuff. Because, again, great writer. I've loved his stuff at DC, at Marvel, at a number of other publishers. Some of the stuff he did over at Claypool was a lot of fun. Plus, some of his Star Trek stuff's been a, a blast. Exactly. So I just, I just love him as a writer. And he seems to, once again, be one of those writers that he revisits the past, but he doesn't date himself when he does it, which is hard to do. Yeah. Because most writers do. They, they, they're typecast and they can't change. Well, it's not just typecast. Can you take material that you worked on decades past, capture the magic of it, but do it in the modern style? And that's tough. Yeah. It's really hard. I don't know if I could do it because us being humans, we get set in our ways and we get comfortable. And it's so hard to change and, and stay fresh and relevant. Yeah. With all the changes that happened over decades. Yeah, yeah. So just my hats off to him and Paul Levitz, because I love those old writers. They're, they're great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so fun stuff. Now, what, what else did you enjoy? Is there anything or anything that you hated or enjoyed or anything you want to talk about? Because I have a few other ones, but I don't want to me shout out everything. We've already recorded the first part of our Avengers Forever 1 through 6, the original Avengers Forever. Yes. We've still got to do 7 through 12. We'll yes. do that as on our next recording session. But that brings to mind Avengers Forever of the current run, number 13. <laughs> is it over yet? <laughs> is it just me, or did not much happen other than the final reveal of Avenger Prime at the yeah. end of the issue? And I'm like, this thing is, is decompressed and has way, way too many captions. Oh my god, I feel like we're on an icy hill, just the tires are spinning and we're going nowhere. I'm like, come on, man, come on, let's go, let's get to the destination, the the finale's at the end. Let's get there. <laughs> well, I mean, we got uh, Avengers number 64 or whatever. It's essentially an issue-long fight, setting up another fight, I think. Yep. And in hindsight, I really should have dropped Jason Aero's Avengers about five years ago. Yeah, yeah, right, right around issue number three or four. <laughs> I, I, I should have figured it out around the first arc, and I've been like, eh, it's not for me. Yeah. And instead, 64 issues later and 13 issues later, so we're talking about 77 issues of this. You and I are both frustrated. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yep. A lot of money, a lot of wasted time, a better part of a short box of storage. Uh, it all adds up. Yeah, unfortunately. So what else you got to talk about? Okay, I'll tell you some good ones. All right. I know you're not getting these, so uh, I got to talk and just tell you about them. Namor number four was good. Solid issue. There's only, I believe, one more issue and then it's done. I don't know if it's five or six. I think it's a five issue mini. It was pretty solid. You got Luke Cage and Namor. They track down the original Human Torch, mm. which is kind of cool. And we find out there's a whole robot society thriving while the humans are dying off. They're just living their best life. <laughs> the androids are. They, they're they self-aware. And they're, they approach them like, hey, guys, we need your help. And the, the robots all look at them. You enslaved our kind through all of your history. Yeah. Eh, we don't want to help you too much. So <laughs> Namor acts out. and. Namor doesn't take no very well, does he? No, Namor acts out and it ends very badly. I'll just say that. It ends very, very badly. And I think issue five is going to be kind of depressing. (laughs) Then, okay, Punisher number nine, another really solid issue. You get the fight between the God of War, Ares, and the Beast of the Hand, Frank, who has like almost like red flames coming out. Not flames, but glowing lights coming out of his eye because he has powers now. Ah, okay. They're facing off head to head. So you have the followers of Ares and you have the whole hand, all the ninja people fighting, there's battles going on. I'm not going to tell you who won, but we get a lot more backstory into Frank's origins, too. I thought it was really solid. Cool. And then the other one that I thought was really good was, it wasn't as good as Punisher, but Thor number 30 was good. This guy, Torin Gronbeck, I guess he's Norwegian, or I don't know what he is. He's not as good of a writer as Jason Aaron or Donny Cates when they were writing Thor, but he's a newer writer, and I can see him actually getting better now. So Thor's younger sister, not Angela, is kidnapped by Corvus Glaive, if you remember that guy from Hickman's creation, and the the Apocalypse characters. Mm, Yeah. But Thor's on the hunt for Glaive and ultimately Thanos. And so it's possibly leading up to when Jason Aaron was writing Thor, Thor had a vision in the future, and Cates has referenced it, you know, like where it's basically Thanos versus Thor in an all-out, will will the, the universe survive type battle. Cool. So I'm I'm thinking this is building up to a big event. Thor is nice. Yeah, so I, I really did enjoy that. And then, and then the the other stuff I read was kind of like mediocrity, you know, uh, you know, going through the motions. Fantastic Four number three. You got the Johnny Storm. Did you like it? It was an okay Human Torch story. I didn't think it really made Johnny look all that great. 
Me neither. His ability to do a, a secret identity, brilliant. Yeah, like, what is going on here? And of course, next issue, we might actually get the Fantastic Four team and the Fantastic Four title, so that'll be nice. That will be nice. Another title I will be canceling probably is going to be Ghost Rider, issue number 12. Mm. They let, what's his name? Who's the guy? I can't think of the writer's name for the life of me right now. He did the whole Green Arrow run, and he's been writing X-Force over at Marvel. X-Force is written by... Percy. Percy, you're right. Yeah, so Percy, he's writing Ghost Rider 2. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like, eh. he, he he does this cool stuff with like these demons and bloodiness and gruesomeness. And it's fun, but the story itself is like, eh, it's okay. Uh, yeah, that, that can only take me so far. Yeah. The, the meat's not there. Did you pick up the Wasp miniseries? I didn't. How was that? Because I almost did pick it up. I thought it was a fun read. Okay. Interesting story involving both the, the classic Wasp and the, the younger one. So I liked that. We got to see Edwin Jarvis again. Always nice. Cool. And I'm looking forward to more issues of this. It looks like it's a fun series. Alan Wing is doing the writing and stuff. So Very nice. I'm thinking it'll, it'll be a solid read. Yeah. Oh, one other thing that finished up was Strange Number 10, which ended in the most logical thing that we all knew was going to happen. Did I you read it? I actually didn't get that. You didn't get Strange Number 10. Oh, okay. I won't talk about it then. Yeah. I'm not sure if I just didn't get it, didn't order it. What's up with that? I may not have ordered that. I've had a few things fall through the cracks on my orders. Oh, okay. Well, just it's the last on, on my side, I've forgotten to order a few things. Uh, it, it was okay. It ended. I'll give you a spoiler if you want. Nah. I'm okay. At, at the end, if you want to, I'll tell you. You know what's going to happen. <laughs> I'll just say that. You know what's going to happen. There's a, a new strange series coming, and exactly. it's not called Clea, so I think I can guess. Da, 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 there's the spoiler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go figure. I'm like, why? Did, what, what was this exercise? Okay. <laughs> uh, ten issues of a, a not Stephen Strange story, so. Yeah. And it was a fun read. But there was a lot of stuff that came out that was just okay, you know, like Miles Morales, I don't know if I'm going to stick with it because this book writer wasn't as good. Planet Hulk Worldbreaker was okay. One other I did want to ask about, because I agree, the, the Worldbreaker was fine, but not brilliant. Yeah. Did you read Scarlet Witch number one? Scarlet Witch number one. I didn't get that. That was another miniseries. How Is was it? Miniseries? I couldn't. Well, it's Steve Orlando. That's probably why you skipped it. Yeah, it's Steve Orlando. I, I don't buy any of his books now. And I'm like, when did Scarlet Witch start flying like Starfire of the New Teen Titans with this trail behind her of her hair and such? Oh, God. They had one bit where Quicksilver is, is there. They're in a bookstore. And he's like, oh, you blinked. I read everything. I'm like, he's not that fast. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was going to like this or not. I was thinking maybe this wasn't a good idea, but it was a solid read. Ah. It had nice done-in-one flavor to the first issue with a tease for the next issue and a hint of a larger story with a, a familiar character, more from the movies than the comics. So overall, I enjoyed it, and Sarah Pacelli doing the art, I think it was, she did some of the Ultimate Spider-Man stuff, I think. Awesome. So it worked out pretty well. Much better than I was expecting. Yeah, I saw Steve Orlando and I just fled for the hills. I was like, ah! No. <laughs> well, they introduce a story gimmick here of how to get, you know, one-off stories rolling every time. And I'm like, okay, this is a little odd, but we'll see if it works. And again, it was a decent first issue, so. Very cool. Yeah. And, and that, nah, there's nothing else I'd really highlight. A lot of stuff I would just say, it happened. Yeah, yeah, a lot of it. Most of it for me was in that middle B category, somewhere between a B minus and a B plus, and it's it's okay, but it's not. If I had to get only the best of the best, a lot of this wouldn't make the cut. It's also something that if I just had to cut a few things, wouldn't be on that end either necessarily. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So other than like Legion of X, which I think this was my last issue of, and of course Avengers that we've talked about for a few years now. Yeah, and Legion of X I cut a long time ago. So yeah, well that was the right choice. Put it out of its misery. <laughs> So over to the indies? Over to the indies. All right. You remember when I used to get like 40 of these every oh, month? Yeah. I'm down to 12. Wow, I got 11. Wow. We're one issue apart. <laughs> wow. So, man, and some of the stuff I, I'm getting rid of already, I'm not seeing it through. I got the Magic Order 3 number issue 6. I was the final one. I already canceled it. Never getting the, it again. Stillwater canceled already. American Jesus Re Revelation 3 canceled it. So three of them are gone. But I am adding some new stuff in the future. I had one on my list that was a final issue, and even if it wasn't, I'd have, I'd have axed it. It just it, it was Giga number five. Oh, bad. And I don't know if it just came out later, if I just didn't, if, if something held it up in the distribution chain or whatever, but it didn't land the ending for me. 
It uh, completely lacked story momentum, but part of that was I got issue number four out of the five back in June 2021. Good lord. That's that's horrible. So I had thought <laughs> this had ended, and I'm getting the fifth issue, and it's like, I, I haven't read this. I, it hadn't ended. So it's it's over, it's done with, so if it had come out on a timely basis, or if I'd gotten it on a timely basis, maybe, but even so, in hindsight, that was a miniseries I could have skipped. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Yeah. And then one I got an issue of, because I used to read it years ago, and I'm not the target audience for this, but it was Knights of the Dinner Table number 300. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that in your box opening. And so few things hit 300 that I figured I, I should check this out again. Was it good? It was exactly what I expected it to be for the most part. Okay. I think the price dropped from what I'd gotten years ago to from seven ninety nine to six ninety nine, but I could be wrong about that. It used to be like eighty pages, now it's sixty four. But twenty three of those are comic book, comic strip kind of style story. Okay. And I use that description because it's multiple pages of story, but the art's more comic strip level, if you will. A bit more simplified, but it's not like what you would get in your average comic and stuff. Yeah. But it's not intended to be. It's a, about a bunch of gamers and the, the games they're playing and such. Now, I'm not a really a hardcore tabletop gamer and such. If you are, you might want to check this title out, see if it's for you. Because, again, a decent chunk of it is, you know, fictional stories about gaming. There's a ton of articles about different games, software for games, computer games and such like that. A ton of other features and stuff. This time, a lot of it was a kind of a who's who section on the characters of the Knights of the Dinner Table comics. Very cool. So, glad I got that. Jolly Blackburn's been doing this for 300 issues now. Planning on doing it, seems like, for another 300 at least. Definitely, I think it's got a a niche audience, but hopefully they're very happy with it. I can see where they would be. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, not for me, but that's kind of cool. If you're into gaming, you'd probably love it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I've got a decent number of role-playing games and stuff like that, but my interests are sci-fi and superhero stuff, and they're doing more of the standard Dungeons & Dragons type stuff, which is fine. Yeah, I did some RPGs back in high school with some friends, and then later, about, if I had to guess, like eight, nine years ago, mm -hmm. with a group of friends, and it turned into gaming, but we'd be drinking, and as you got more drunk, it got funnier, but I forgot what the heck we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I, I'm like, what are we, you know, just... What's going on? And we end up sitting there and just laughing and having fun. But yeah, less and less gaming as it went on. <laughs> well, the whole point of it's the socialization. So exactly, it was a good fun time. Yeah, games excuse to hang out sometimes, and that's that's fine. Yeah, long as the the game master's on board with that. Exactly. They put a bunch <laughs> of work into doing a intricate story and plot and stuff, and you're all just kind of goofing off. I can see where they may not think that's cool. Yeah, they wouldn't like that. Yeah. So. Well, I tell I'll tell you what. I got three comics that I really liked. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to spend too much time on them because I don't think you got them, but you let me correct me if I'm wrong. Junkyard Joe number four by, oh, what's his name? Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns, yeah. Fantastic comic. Some covert soldiers are after Joe and Muddy, and the neighbor's daughter gets to know Muddy and the real Joe. So fantastic story all around. The other one, Nightclub 2, which was Mark Millar, he, it's, his, it's still a good read. That's the one where the guy becomes a vampire and he gets his friends to become vampires now, and he's like their trainer now. It's, it, he's introducing them to the vampire lifestyle. It has a little bit of a Miles Morales feel with his friends. I know cool. that sounds weird, but it has that feeling. <laughs> so he's, he's a mentor to new vamps, his friends. And then Nemesis Reloaded, number one. That was another Mark Millar one, a new one that came out. The original Nemesis, I liked it. Did you get the Reloaded? I did not get Reloaded. I considered it because I liked the original, but it takes so long for him to come back and revisit something. It's been... Years. Five, ten years? I forget how long. Ages since the original. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a decade. The first series I liked, I picked this up. He took so long with the magic order that I didn't remember what was going on, so I was so lost. But this one, I was able to pick it up, and I enjoyed it. So, you know, I, I call it my evil comic time, you know, the bad guy. Mm -hmm. But it was a good read, you know? We get Nemesis going around and gathering up all the gang leaders from across the city. He puts them in an empty swimming pool. They're blindfolded with bombs and stuff. And he basically is telling them, the last one to survive wins. That's how this is all set up. <laughs> to which the first question is, wins what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I'm not going to tell you how this plays out and who's observing and all this, but I'll just say it was interesting and I, I did enjoy it. It was fun. <laughs> cool. Cool. What did you like? Because there were some others I liked, but not as much as the three, but what did you like? Most of this stuff was just kind of 
So-so. So-so for me. I think the one I liked the most was Strange New Worlds, the Illyrian Enigma number two for Star Trek. Okay. Fun read. I'm really curious how much is this actually going to play into the second season of the show? I know it's set between first and second, but do they reference it? Do they not? Does it jive or not? I don't know, but I'm enjoying it. Very cool. Well, I will tell you the other ones I thought were good. Okay, we got a new number one, Barbaric, Mm -hmm. Hell to Pay. Barbaric, they had some different series that came out. The guy who created Barbaric, and I can't remember for the life of me what his name was, uh, so excuse me, creative team, if you're listening, he has a new book that I called out on a solicit from Ablaze. Mighty Barbarians, yeah. Yeah, so he, he took his property over there, I guess, and renamed it. But this, So this will be the last of it, like three issues. But it was a solid start to the next mini for Barbaric. You know, the axe has become the star of the series. It's talking and hungry for blood. And we get a nice trip to hell with some fighting. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> nice. And then Jason Aaron is doing better things than he is on Avengers over in the indie world. He does the Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, which, if I'm not mistaken, is from Boom. Adventures keep moving forward. You get a deep change in the character that happens when the duo, they come across a wounded traveler in their path and how they're going to handle that. And it totally changes the dynamic between the two that have kind of, they're so different, but they've learned to rely on each other. And it's going to, I think, change the comic from this point forward. So this was like a more, I would say, emotional issue. Okay. And then the last one I thought was good was Traveling to Mars, number three, which is it's definitely like a mature book, but it's not mature as far as sex and cursing. You don't really get that. It's mature in the f- sense that it's introspection and deep thought. Yeah. You've mentioned that one a few times, I think. Yeah. Someone who's going to die. And I mean, everything from working with these AI and teaching them to thinking on his past life and where he's going and what he's doing. It's just a very mature book, but in a good way, because a lot of times you don't just sit there and reflect on life. So it gets you thinking. And I would say thinking is a good thing because so many times we get busy with life, we don't think. Thinking is a good thing. It's just a shame it's so rare sometimes. It really is. I mean, we, we, we don't res- look back on our lives and just think about good and bad and where am I going. It, we don't take time for ourselves like that. Yeah. So I like reading it just because it makes me think. <laughs> cool. Introspection. <laughs> yeah. And th- then the other ones were like just kind of so-so. Year Zero, so-so. What's the furthest place it was here was so-so. And Trojan was uh, disturbing, very disturbing. And so-so from AWA. I think for me, the ones that were next up from that Star Trek Strange New Worlds Illyrian Enigma were Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 104. We got some more backstory on Rita Repulsa. I thought that was a decent read. Time and Before Time is a fun read. There's still a number of different threads going on, a lot going on there, but I'm enjoying that. We're at issue 19 there. Most of the rest were just kind of middle-of-the-road type stuff, so we had The Ones, Resident Alien, Book of Love, Star Trek, Star Trek Resurgence, two issues of Walking Dead Deluxe. So yeah, again, only about 11 comics here, and The Ones, I think, only has another issue or two. Giga's off the list. I'm just, I just got the one of Knights of the Dinner Table. I think I've only got one more of Resident Alien, and then it's pretty much going to be down to perhaps the Power Ranger stuff, Star Trek, Walking Dead, Time Before Time, and not really sure how many other things I've got from the, the back half, or what used to be the back half, but, you know, non-Marvel DC. Yeah, I get very little. There's, like, a few publishers I stop on. Like, I'll stop at Humanoids. I'll stop at Magnetic Press. I'll stop at AWA, Ablaze. And then I'll stop at the manga. But there's very little else other than that. I just go right past. I flip the page. Okay, cool, cool. But it's just, it's hit or miss. And I'm just not at the point in my life. And I'm not at the point and my storage, and what I want to be spending my time and money on, where I want to just, oh, let's 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 run down this rabbit hole and hope that this thing is good by this person I've yeah. never heard of in a picture of a cover. You know, it's just like, ah. Well, I mean, I go through the the catalogs cover to cover, but it's just so little is really hitting my, my interest. I'm, I'm not flipping pages and thinking, wow, that looks cool. Yeah, it, it's not great stuff. And it, I'm sure there's gems in there, but they're few and far between, I feel like. And it feels like there's more and more fewer and farther between <laughs> as we go. Well, for me, I think they're aiming towards a different target audience than, than I currently fit in. Yeah. And certainly there's a jaded aspect to, to my reading habits at the moment. But part of it is it used to be I, I couldn't go into a comic store without picking up a couple of things, even if I'd just been there the other day. 
now I can go through an entire catalog and it's like, there are a couple of things I'm, I'm going to keep getting because I, I want to you know, finish that story or whatever. Yeah. But very few where I'm like, wow, I just cannot wait until that next issue comes out. Yeah. Few, fewer and fewer things. You know, luckily, there were some things I found in Image that I did like the last couple catalogs. Otherwise, I'd, I'd be just whittling it down to nothing. But even that, like there's one that I just got for the life of me. I can't remember. I, I read ahead. I read my February comics. Of course. <laughs> and I read my February comic and I was like, eh, that's not very good. But it's the first issue, but I'll cut it quick. You know, I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to give them any rope to hang themselves. I'm, I'm out. For me, it's. I don't think it's that there's not anything good out there. It's just there's not anything targeted to me or I'm having a hard time finding it, which is part of why I keep beating the drum of sending clips to the preview spotlight. Maybe some, some listeners have some stuff out there that I've just missed. Yeah, I think if more people send in clips, then like normally you get five or six people that do clips, and sometimes more, sometimes less, whatever. But if everyone who was on the Slack channel sent in one clip, we'd have a much bigger episode. And people would highlight something that I would have never looked at or thought of. And a lot of times I picked up things because of that. And I don't have the time to read this whole previews catalog, you know? And if it goes digital, I'm going to be going even quicker because I can't Mm -hmm. even highlight that. I'm just going to be scroll, 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 scroll. (laughs) So I'm just – and then do I wonder, is it because I'm turning 50 this year that I'm just – maybe it's not geared towards me. And if it's not geared towards me, who in the hell is it geared towards? Because – I don't see the new readers. <laughs> Where are they? I don't think they're doing a good job grabbing new readers, getting people into the hobby and stuff like that. And I don't think they're doing a good job maintaining those of us who've been in the hobby for a while. Yeah, it's, it's a really strange place because they're like, they want to not cater to the Gen X and baby boomers who were the lifeblood of this industry. And yet no, but no millennials are reading it. And I'm like, I don't know. Well, I was I was watching something on I think it was YouTube or whatever, and had some some behind the scenes writers and stuff. And I'm like, these these people are half my age, yeah, thereabouts, maybe a little older than that, but you get the idea. Yeah. So they're from effectively a generation you know younger than I am. Different mindset, different things they're they're looking for, things they're writing about, and such like that. So I think as the creative side skews younger, it loses the older audience. Just like when it skewed older, it lost the younger audience to a degree. I mean, again, yeah. the, the hip, cool writing style of the 60s for those, those swinging kids, you know, didn't always hit the mark. Yeah, very true. So Maybe they're at this inflection point where they're trying to build a millennial reader base. And if that happens, it, there's new lifeblood and there's great comics. And you and I are going to be stuck reading the Marvel Unlimited app for the old timer story <laughs> as we become the old timers. I don't know what's gonna if that's gonna happen. I don't know if it's going to make it there. It doesn't need to be an either or is the thing. Yeah, yeah. They just seem to be treating it that way, and that's a problem. Yeah, I would agree. You you read the Marvel comics where they're they're starting to have like the little profile pieces on the editors and the the uh, creators. Mm-hmm. Who was your first character? You know, what was your first book? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, wow, they're they're very young, but I'm like, some of these people, I'm like, really, that was your first comic? Wow. <laughs> so. When I was starting out in podcasting ages ago, I was I was a guest on somebody else's podcast. It was about genre television. Okay. And one of the first questions was, how did you get it introduced to genre television? Was it on the sci-fi channel? Was it on this or was it on that? At which point, I immediately realized that I was of a different age bracket than the person running that particular podcast. Great guy. Smart guy. Nothing against him. But again, just different age group. Yeah. Because I had come across genre television well before the sci-fi channel was a thing, before cable was a thing. You know, again, just different different outset, different mindset and such. It just boggles the mind what, uh, you know, again, when, when what was your first comic comes along and it's uh, laid into the run of, of Ultimate Spider-Man or something like that. And you're like, wow, you know, you've missed decades of stuff. And part of it is you read what you grew up with. I get that. When you're, when you're younger, you're not going to have read everything. Yeah, I, some of those editors, they're like, oh, my first comic. And I was like, that came out like 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope you've read a lot since then. <laughs> well, again, it's not like I've read a ton of Golden Age stuff necessarily and whatnot. True. And I'm at a, a point with the Legion Spotlight. Some of the things I'm reading there, I haven't read before just because they weren't necessarily reprinted in a format I had easy access to growing up. Yeah, very true. Very true. So.
We had enough listener questions this time that I'm going to break those out into a separate episode, which we'll get on Friday. So with that, we'll call this an episode. Recording clips for the preview Spotlight episodes is easy, and we've got an open submission policy for these episodes. Please send in clips to support the comics you love as often as you can. If you'd like to get email reminders for the preview Spotlight episodes, you can join the emailing list on the main page of the comicbookpage.com website. The deadline is typically the second Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. Check the main page of the website for more information and the exact deadline for the next preview Spotlight. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.